BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. Remember to subscribe. We drop new episodes every Tuesday. So see you then. I'm Caroline Stanbury, star of The Real Housewives of Dubai. I'm remarried and living my best life ever. See, there's so much life after divorce. I'm starting my new chapter unapologetically. I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said between each other, society, the sheets, and everything in the middle. And lucky me, you'll be joining me on the journey. Listen to all new episodes every Wednesday. So buckle up. So welcome back to another episode of Divorce Not Dead. And I'm super excited today to be joined by Elizabeth Day. And your intro is quite amazing. So you are an award-winning author with novels like Paradise City, The Party, The Magpie, A Handbook for When Things Go Wrong. And you also have a memoir on how to fail, which I absolutely love this because I think more people should acknowledge their failures rather than just the ups because it would just give people sort of a more normalized trajectory in life. I think that we all have more failures than we do successes. So welcome, Elizabeth. And thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, This is so exciting for me. I'm so glad you said that about failure. And thank you for coming on my podcast, How to Fail. You were brilliant. And just thank you for being a real housewife of Dubai. Like, you know how excited I am. (laughs) I love that franchise. I mean, as I said to you before, I think if we just laid down in the desert, we would have been a hit. I think um, everyone was ready for a new franchise. So it's very exciting. But, you know, there you go. I was on another show before and that didn't go all the way either. So I think it's really important to sort of acknowledge our failures and sort of understand that each one is a door to growth. I totally agree. I feel like I look back on my life and I see every single failure now as something that happened to me as a lesson. And I think that that's made me feel quite strong in a way, because it means that I'm not scared of failure in the future. I know it will happen. I know it's inevitable. I will try my best 
for it not to happen, but sometimes it will. And I know that if it does happen, I know that I can attach meaning to it in the fullness of time. I know that it will teach me something necessary. I know that it will give me data that means that hopefully I can make better choices in the future. So that's how I choose to view failure. I mean, I'm absolutely with you because I mean, I'm 46 now. And I think you're 36, if I'm not correct. I'm 43, but thanks oh, so much for starting. Well, there you go. <laughs> Fabulous. How nice. And you look about 23. So oh, thank you. That's because my husband's so young. Yeah. But I think I've had so many failures along the way and sort of very public ones too, mm-hmm. which people, I think, you know, people always love to sort of have a good laugh or talk about, or, you know, I've always been a sort of strong topic of conversation. And I realized my mother always said to me, don't worry about when they talk about you, worry about when they don't. Mm. And I think I had a tea once with Kim Kardashian and she said, the ones that love you will always love you and the ones that hate you make you. And I think it's so important to understand that to be able to succeed, you have to be able to fail. And you have to be able to fail spectacularly and well and bounce back. Bouncing back from failure is the most important key to life, I think. Okay, so I want to go put a pin in the Kim Kardashian thing because I want to know how that happened. What an amazing piece of advice as well, because I do think that so many of us, whether we have a public profile or not, really struggle with how we're perceived with other people's opinions of us. And quite often, I think the perception of failure is actually about other people's projected opinions of how you should be feeling about something. It could be other individuals, but it could also be society saying you're a failure because you haven't achieved this and this and this by this specific age. And I think over society. uh, Me too. (laughs) Preach. Like, uh, you know, we can talk about this because I know that you have experience in this area, but I have spent the best part of 10 years trying to have my own baby. That has not been a straightforward thing for me. I have had endless fertility treatment. I'm still engaged on that journey. And when I started out having IVF and all of that, I was repeatedly made to feel like a failure, both by the male consultants who treated me, but by society as a whole. And we like to think that we're so much more advanced now, and we are in so many ways, but I still believe that there is a part of womanhood which is wrongly seen as we must procreate in order to fulfill our true biological potential. Like society still makes us feel that. I think there's this sort of, I mean, I remember when I first started seeing Sergio, we went in to go and do freeze my eggs. And I sat down with my young husband and there was just, you know, I was faced with a doctor who told me I was a geriatric pregnancy. Now, mind you, I'm sitting next to a 20, what, seven-year-old or six-year-old at the time. And he, they've just called his girlfriend geriatric yeah. in front of his face. I mean, you know, even if it's true, couldn't you just swallow it for a minute? And, um, you know, it's just unbelievable. There's so much negative language around fertility. Geriatric yes. mother, inhospitable womb, incompetent yeah. cervix. I was constantly being told I was failing to respond to the drugs. That was a phrase that was used again and again. And it was actually a friend of mine who said, maybe you're not failing to respond to the drugs. Maybe the drugs are failing you. It was just such a mind blowing moment where you think, you know, I think so many women and perhaps a few men too, we internalize failure. We think we're the person who's done it wrong. Whereas actually a lot of my work is about externalizing failure, realizing that failure happens to you 
you can't control that a lot of the time. The only thing that you can control is your response to it. That's the true test of character. A hundred percent. And as I said, I mean, I don't see, I want to blow the lid on failure full stop because I don't think you can have a good life, a really good life without failing. Because if you haven't failed at anything, you're not really trying to do anything great. And anyone that knows, it doesn't mean that you can't succeed in the end, because if indeed you'd fail, you try, try again. And that's, you know, something that you just have to bounce that back. And I know a lot of women you know, for whatever part of their lives. And this this doesn't have to be, you know, this is from babies, from marriage to, you know, a career to, you know, whatever it is in your life that you fail at that just simply don't get back up. They just sit back down and they expect the word world to come and go, oh, darling, you failed. Let me help you. And mm. it doesn't work like that. And I think, you know, that's what's so important to teach our children that if it's like, you know, it's like watching toddlers, they, you know, when they fall down 57 times because they haven't, they're learning to walk, they don't just sit down for the rest of their lives, do they? They get back yeah. up and they get back up and they get back up. And that's what you have to learn to do as an adult. You have to, or you will not survive this world because it doesn't get easier. No, I, I think it's so interesting that because I, you know, I have to acknowledge there are certain people who get multiple opportunities to fail for whatever reason. They are privileged in certain ways. They are. They don't live with a chronic illness. I don't know. Like they've had a very kind of happy upbringing. Like there's there's various aspects of privilege and wealth that definitely insulate you to one degree in terms of like how many opportunities you get to fail repeatedly. But you're so right that failure happens no matter who we are or where we come from. In, in, and in every aspect of your, your, your life. And that's why I'm saying, you know, when you, I mean, you've been divorced and I've been divorced and I don't see it as a failure. I mean, I, my marriage was 18 years. Yours was how long? Mine was three years. We were together for seven, okay, but we so didn't that's... have children. So it was, it was a kind of, you know, it was, I don't know about you, but it was the toughest, one of the toughest things I've ever been through, partly because for a really long time, I didn't trust my own instincts about things. And it wasn't a healthy relationship. And it just got to a stage where I suddenly hit a wall. And I was like, I can't carry on like this. And I left. And in a way, it taught me how strong I really am. The failure of that and the shame that I felt. I don't know whether you felt shame. I felt like I'd let all of those people down who came to our wedding and gave us presents. <laughs> I felt so, so embarrassed, but also so shameful. And I felt like I'd let my parents down. And it was a really good crash course in realizing that you can't outsource your life to other people's opinions of you. You have to live your own life. You have to work out who you are and what you want and what you're worth and what your desires are. And it was really helpful for me in that respect. So I look back on it now, like you do, I'm grateful for that. I'm so grateful for what the quote unquote failure of my marriage taught me. And now I'm married again and he's wonderful. And I know that I've brought the lessons from that experience into our marriage, as has he. He was married before. And I definitely think that second spouses are the best ones. <laughs> that's what I say. I've just been, you know, I really do because you know exactly what you want. And that's so exciting. I mean, I think. I didn't feel shame when I got divorced. I felt a bit, you know, guilty that I, I felt guilt. I felt, you know, sad that for, you know, his family, I knew that would end my relationship with them. And I, I felt sad for my kids, but 
by the time I got divorced, I was actually really ready. I think I was just done. But I don't view that marriage as a failure. I have three beautiful children. I've still got a strong friendship with him now. It's it's all good. So and and I've chosen somebody who is just completely different now for a second marriage. And I think when you do, I was watching this. What's I watching? a um, documentary last night on a on a couple and it was just so interesting to see them because it felt like me and Sergio because we do everything together and they're like you know they're in the same world as I am and you know 24 7 together and they're building their brand together and it was just so cute because it's like it is soulmates in a way and we sleep in a different way we sleep with our feet intertwined and our hands intertwined and it's so cute so I know I'm in the right place I think automatically you know you're in the right place but when I started seeing Sergio everyone told me I was wrong and that I've lost my mind. And people still do. And that's okay by me, you know, whether it, it works long, you know, long term till I'm 100 or not, it doesn't matter. I'll never see it as a failure. I've already been here mm-hmm. like you three years. So I think all of these things are taught, you know, lessons. And you know, the, the exciting thing is that the mistakes you made in your first marriage, you don't make in your second, I think. Definitely. And I could not agree with you more that a relationship is not a failure just because it ends. A relationship, whether it's romantic or even a friendship, I firmly believe that people are sent to you for a reason. And often they're sent to you to teach you some kind of lesson. And if you've been taught that lesson in the fullness of time, it might mean that that relationship in its current form is over. But there's so much to rejoice in. You can rejoice in all of the memories that you had, all of the shared experiences that you had, because they still exist, that the memory still exists the fact of your relationships that exists just because it's ended doesn't mean that you discount the whole thing. And it could be that you're just entering a different phase of that same relationship, but you're not married or you're not friends anymore, but you can still think back on it with either love or with recognition of the important things that it's taught you. And that's really helped me because, you know, I don't know about you, Caroline, but I, in my 40s, I think I've had a, a real reevaluation of friendship and what it is to me and the most meaningful kinds. And I've had experiences where I've been ghosted by very, very good friends, or we've had some kind of breakup situation. And that way of thinking has made me feel so much better about the grief and heartbreak I experienced in those moments, because I can look back now with fondness. Ghosting is so weak. I don't get it. And why bother ghosting a friend? Just, yeah, I don't, I don't understand. But Everyone. so many of us are really conflict avoidant. I know you're not, which is something I su- I really, really admire about you. And I really wish I could be more like you in that respect. Well, some people, you know, love it and some people hate it. You know, I learned to be, to face conflict head on, probably from the TV show. Right. Because right. You're, that's what they teach you. You, you can't, you can't swallow it and not say how you feel which it works in my benefit sometimes the trouble is now if I if I feel it inside I have to go and tell the person directly immediately so it's also it's a good thing and a bad thing sometimes people are like sort of gone oh my god okay because they're not used to it right and I'm so open with it but it is I've you know I'm sort of conditioned to do it now and when you say that you have to talk about it as part of the tv program what happens? Does a producer say, oh, are you feeling a bit obsessed about that because you should address it? Yes, that's how it starts. And then you just get used to doing it. So, you know, so interesting. you literally see somebody and you say, you know, you can see if someone's awkward around you, whatever, and you go, what, do you have a problem? You know, what would that problem be? And then it just that opens it worse. And I think in our normal life, we go, oh, I don't want to see her today. 
you know, then yeah. in, in a TV show like this, you say, okay, I'm going to, you know, Caroline's got a problem with you. Why don't you call her? And then you call her. And whereas I think we avoid these situations in normal life because you're like, oh, it just it'll blow over or I don't have to see her today. So it doesn't matter. So I think that taught me to face things head on. And I'm not really scared of anything like that anymore. That I'm, I'm like, you know, you have a problem with me, tell me. Um, I also don't get super offended by stuff anymore. You know, I think, yeah. I think I used to sort of always worry about what people thought about me. I mean, it's funny because, you know, being on a show like this as well, obviously the, the, the episodes have come out, starting to come out and my team are like, you know, they get fiercely protective of what people say about me. And I'm like, I couldn't give a flying fuck. Like, are they in my normal day-to-day life? Do they, you know, oh, someone thinks you're a bitch. Good, really good. <laughs> Maybe they won't come around here then. Are they paying my bills? No. And nice people, really nice people finish last. That's not saying that you have to be overly bitchy, but to do a job and do it well, you cannot have friends in business. And I think that's, you know, everybody wants to sort of hang around and sing Kumbaya at work, don't they? And be best friends. But it doesn't work like that. The boss has to be the boss has to be the boss. Otherwise, you know, doesn't work. You don't get anywhere. So, you know, I think those kind of things of being so driven and bloody minded is what sort of people are scared of with me that don't actually know me or haven't got to know who I am because I'm just incredibly driven. If If I'm weak, how can you lead a team? How can you run your business? How can you do that? And I always try and tell people things like that because when you, each failure should teach you a lesson, a very valuable one. And when you stand up, you're not going to, you can't stand up wishy-washy. You have to stand up really bloody strong, go, this is what I'm going to do. And you always Mm. have people in your business that think they know better than you do, but that's bollocks. Nobody knows better than you do in when it's your business, because it's you. I've learned that from everyone. I was told by, you know, massive businessmen, they knew how to run my business better than me and it didn't work. And I should have stuck to my guns because my client is me and who I was. And that's why I started it. No one knows your business. And I think that's really important for all you ladies out there to understand that instead of taking failure and sitting down and going, I can't do this anymore, you know, get up much stronger and say, actually, you know, this is the way I'm going to do it, like it or not. I think there are so many interesting points you've made there. The first one is that women need to trust their instincts a lot more. Yes. And I think that that culturally, over millennia of patriarchal society and misogyny and sexism, we've been, they've tried to convince us not to listen to our instincts. They've tried to convince us that it's a bit woo-woo, it's a bit weak, it's actually not at all. You need to drag out that noise and just trust that you know yourself as you say if it's your business you absolutely do know what's best for it and don't let anyone tell you otherwise obviously take advice and listen to people you respect but ultimately it comes from the core of you and the other thing that I think is really interesting is that I think a lot of people believe that in a business setting they can never admit to failure because they see it as as weakness or admitting to vulnerability my point is owning failure makes you stronger saying that you've got something wrong and having the courage to stand up and say that in front of your team i i got something wrong this thing didn't go according to plan here's what i've learned and what we've learned and what we're going to do next that is so empowering not only for yourself but for all the people who work with you who then feel able to share things that might not be going right for them and that for me is the source of real connection and the source of healthy relationships is 
in business and in your personal life. And so I think that's really important that the idea that a failure does not have to define you wholesale. It can be something, as you say, you bounce back from having acquired the necessary data of what went wrong so that you can put things into place so it doesn't happen in the same way again. Yeah. And just living outside the box, I think, you know, I'm from all the things that I'm watching at the moment, because sometimes you sort of do doubt yourself and you listen to other people. I've understood you have to remain outside the box to do really go where you want to go. I mean, there are very few people that make it big time. And, you know, the ones that survive, you know, I'm living in, I mean, I call the housewives a bullring anyway. But, you know, I, you just have to trust your instinct. You know, I, I, I know who I am. I'm, four, you know, I'm 47. I've got a 27-year-old, 46. I've got a 27-year-old husband. I'm not normal. I'm never going to be this, you know, this perfectly packaged person. But I am going to be an incredibly successful one. And it doesn't matter what that looks to me, whether I'm doing naked cartwheels. If I want to, I'm going to do them and no one's going to tell me I can't. And that's what's so great. And I think I bought myself the freedom. And I can also say that, you know, looking at the people that really make it when I watch, as I said, and if anyone's actually looking at business and they always ask me, how do you do it or what what drives you? Anyone that's really, really made it, they they have done, they have all aspects to their lives and they said aren't scared of like making a dick of themselves or going against the grain or maybe not being completely as society would tell you I should be right now. I intend to grow old disgracefully, not gracefully, and have a lot of fun doing it. I mean, you know, and, and I think we should empower people who have actually their own characteristic you know characteristics and their own mind instead of like this rat race of people that are just so happy just to conform in what they think life should look like You're yeah right. you need to take risks in order to grow like actually i think a lot of people are governed by fear and sometimes fear is appropriate if you're being chased by a saber-toothed tiger you know fear is absolutely appropriate and you act on it but other times it's our anxious brain running away with itself. It's our anxious brain telling us all the things that we can't do because our anxious brain is trying to protect us, saying, well, there might be danger there, there might be danger there. But actually, a lot of the time, there isn't. A lot of the time when you're feeling fear, it's actually a signifier of opportunity. It's the signifier of something new that you can grow into, that you can evolve into. And so there's that saying, isn't there, that you should feel the fear and do it anyway. And I think you know, you're a brilliant risk taker. You don't do it dangerously, but you do take a measured risk where you've understood yourself and what your own motivation is and what your goals are. And you're willing to think outside the box and you put things in place where you can do that. And I think that that's a really important thing for people to be able to learn from, not to be put off because you're fearful of what might happen. The bigger risk for me is not taking the opportunities and then regretting them because I don't want to live with regret. A hundred percent. I say take everything. And I think that's, you know, key. If you look at, look, I mean, look at Gwyneth Paltrow, for God's sake. If anyone told her she'd be selling, this smells like my vagina, you know, if I came home and it's something I would do, by the way, if I came home now, my team would absolutely think I'd lost my fucking marbles. But now that she's done it, everyone, you know, now I, I, I could possibly do it. So like, can I tell you a funny, can I tell you a funny story about Gwyneth Paltrow Mm, and her vagina? (laughs) Oh God, and her vagina. (laughs) So I was living in LA for a while after my divorce, actually, it was where I kind of went to heal. 
And I was living, I was making a living as a journalist and a Sunday newspaper hired me to live life as Gwyneth Paltrow for a week. And it meant doing all of the things that she does and recommends on Goop. And so I spent a week driving around town, going to a Tracy Anderson exercise masterclass, having a sound bath, eating macrobiotic food, having this super duper facial. And, <laughs> and I ended up getting my vagina steamed at a spa in Santa Monica. I don't know if you've ever done it, Caroline, have you? No, but I just saw Kourtney Kardashian do that. Yes. I, I, go on. And I saw her do it too. So basically you're given this kind of nylon bathrobe that you, you, you tie around you with Velcro. And then there's this basically like, it looks like a Victorian commode and it's got lots of herbs in it and just <laughs> plumes of quite damp smoke. And you sit atop it and you basically expose your nether regions to this <laughs> herbal smoke. And you sit there for about 45 minutes and then you get off and it's meant to have restored and rebalanced your genitalia and is it, the equilibrium of your uterus. Anyway, all I felt was a bit uncomfortably clammy, but I, I did afterwards walk down the street in Santa Monica and a homeless guy shouted something at me. He was like, fancy a date? And I was like, well, maybe it's actually had that impact that I'm now irresistible to all. Men. To all men. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, th th I love that because again, it, you know, I like to slightly shock people. I like to do something that doesn't, you know, necessarily sort of fit with who I am. And yeah. I think it's so important to sort of, you know, like just keep evolving and changing yourself. And I think that, well, I mean, I know they did that for um, IVF and I know that you've been trying and I've been trying. So at this point, I'm going to have to go on on uh, her goop, whatever, get my eggs right. When I get back from holiday now, I'm going to do one more round when I get back. Maybe I'll yeah. try a vagina steam too. How's yeah. it going with you, Caroline? How well, I mean, I, I, I just did the last round. I got 15 eggs, but none of them were viable. So that's a pain in the oh, ass. Oh, I'm sorry. So I have to go and do it again. But we've got one boy on ice. So um, that's amazing. We do also, have one. What do you mean you got 15 eggs? <laughs> I know. I, when I, I froze my eggs when I was... 37, 38. I got three, three that they oh, put well in the freezer. Good one. No, there was two that seemed okay. And what, oh. I mean, I haven't even tried you. I just feel anyway, that's a whole other podcast. podcast. I know we should do it. We'll do it. We'll you. do it. Cause I know it's a big topic for everybody, but I yeah. think, you know, I think again, society tells us we shouldn't be doing that either at our age. Yeah. Who's to say that we're not going to be the best mums ever at this stage of our lives. Thank you. And, yes. you know, well, uh, because we're more ready and we're more yeah. settled. And so if we can just stop people sort of judging us for everything that we want to do, I'm looking at sort of very, I mean, it was interesting. I watched this documentary with my husband the other night about this. I think it's that DJ, John Luca, what he's called. Oh, yes. And he, yeah. Yeah. He was a very, you know, very sort of straight laced businessman. And he'd made a lot of money in his family business. And then he was just like, fuck it. What am I doing? Why am I going to the board meetings? So I'm bored, literally bored. And now he's like doing TikToking on top of planes and became a DJ at 50 and flying around the world, you know, in ridiculous outfits, having the time of his life, mm. literally the time of his life. And everyone told him, you know, that he couldn't do any of the above. Um, and he's more successful today than ever. I mean, you know, Simon Cowell didn't make his money till he was late into his 40s. And now, you know, look at his empire and everyone sort of said no to him. And I think it's just really important to remind people that it's not too late. It's never okay. too late. And to get a different outcome, you have to do something different. Exactly that. You know? I, I agree with every single word, because I think 
especially as women, we're often sold the myth that age diminishes us. That's not been my experience at all. I feel so much more fulfilled now in my 40s than I ever have. And, and I'm more successful kind of personally and professionally. I watched a documentary the other day. I watched the Netflix documentary on J-Lo, Halftime, which... Me too. Fabulous. Obsessed. 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 I love her so much. I know. I've got to get up at 4.45 every day. Don't I mean, I? but look at her. This is someone who, again, society often tells you you can only be one thing. She was like, fuck that. I'm going to be all of these things. I'm going to be a quintessential multi-hyphenate and I am going to be absolutely brilliant every single one. She's an incredible dancer, an incredible singer, and an incredible actress moving into producing. And I just, it gave me, and it gave me such joy to, to see a woman in the prime of her life in her 50s, just looking and being like that. So I, I could not agree more. Age is actually really, really powerful. It's the source of our wisdom. Really powerful. And I don't want to conform and I never do. So, you know, and I, I think watching those things, I have to like, sometimes it's so easy to sort of be pushed back into a box. And when I watch those things, I'm like, no, no, I'm on the right path. Don't, don't anyone stand in my way. I'm not yeah. interested. Like, you know, I, I don't, I really, really, especially Housewives does this for me too. I really couldn't give a flying fuck what anyone thinks. And that is the most powerful thing. Because Liberating. nothing, I don't know if I'm numb to it. Maybe that's more scary. But the great thing is, then if you're numb to it and it doesn't affect you, then do whatever you want. Do whatever the fuck you want. And I think that needs to be done more by people because it mm. sets you so free. And, you know, all I need is, you know, it's not having yes people around you, but it's having people that, that you know, go, okay, well, this, she's crazy, but I'm going to make, I'm going to facilitate that crazy. I'll make that happen. Yeah, it's people who have your best interests at heart, who have a generosity of spirit, who understand you. That's who you need to surround yourself with. I, it goes back to what you were saying that Kim Kardashian said to you about the ones who love you will never leave and the ones that hate you make you. But I want to know the context for that cup of tea, Caroline. How did it come about? What else did you talk oh, about? So it was I was visiting my girlfriend, Lorraine Schwartz, in her room. And she'd, she'd flown over to London with Kim and they're very, very good friends. I think Lorraine's done her wedding rings and all of that stuff. And they've been friends for years and years. And she said, do you want to come and have a tea at Claridge's with me and Kim? So I did in their bedroom. And we I think it was Ladies of London was on. And I was like, you know, some people loved me, some people didn't. And she was like, she said to me, you know, and I, I guess when you first start, like it's funny now because most of my cast in Housewives haven't done this before. So, you know, every, t every tweet, every everything is like, oh my God, the world hates me. And actually they don't. It's just some people have more time to write it than others. And, you know, as a, and she just said, look, Caroline, you know, look, it's all lovely to be loved, but they're, you know, the ones that love you are always going to love you. The ones that hate you are the ones that make you because they talk about you all the time. And actually, as I said, that's when I reminded myself that to be talked about is always better than not. And I don't need it to be good. And once you understand that, like, you know how girls go out to dinner and you go, did you hear about this one or that one? You sort of, they get caught up in their own bullshit. I actually don't hear the noise anymore. I really don't. I never ask what people think of me. I mean, you know, some of the girls that work for me come running home going, oh, my friends watch the show and think you're this or that and you're coming across this way. And I'm like, zero shit's given. None. 
So, you know, keep your opinions to yourselves. Yeah. They're like assholes. Everyone's got one. No need to hear it because I'm winning. And I think you need to remind yourself that. And it's not being, having an ego, but the winning is taking the risk because most people wouldn't mm. take a risk. Completely. And I think that that's amazing. And I wish that I could be more like that. And I, I feel like I'm on the path to understanding that other people's opinions of me are none of my business. I understand yes. it. It's difficult to internalize. But what does help me is that I understand, like when I have an opinion, if I have a negative opinion of someone I've never met, the only thing that can be is a projection of my own personal baggage, of my own emotional history. So it's triggering something in me. What's it making me feel about myself? That's actually a really helpful way to unpack it. What is it about this person that's making me feel negatively? Is it because I'm jealous of them and they have something I want? Let me tune into that. So if I know that about myself, then I also have to understand that that's what other people I've never met are doing. If they have a negative opinion of me and they're projecting onto me, that's all as, as a result of who they are as an individual, what they've been through, their emotional baggage, and actually very, very little to do, well, nothing to do with me because they don't know me. So I might represent something to them, but I'm trying to really lean into that idea that they don't know me and therefore I don't need to be undone by their opinion of me. I, I need to pay attention to, you know, four or five very dear people in my life. My husband is one of them and what they think of me, my cornerstone relationships, because I really trust them and they want the best for me. And that's who I go to if I need feedback. I don't go to Instagram. <laughs> or anyone, you know, I used to have one of the girls that worked for me who still comes in and out and I love her dearly. I used to call her the cup is half empty. It was always what could go wrong. And I would always be like, but what could go right? And actually, you know, she still comes in and out nine years later. But now I just don't ask because I'm like, I'm just going to do it anyway. I don't need it, you know. And I, before she came back to me, I did say to her, you do realize I'm not going back into listening to any negativity, any. I just don't need it. I don't need it. It doesn't help the brain. It doesn't help me go forward. And I know exactly in my own head what to do. I'm in a personal brand. It's not, I'm not a conglomerate. I couldn't give a shit. Yeah. You don't want to hire me, don't hire me. The ones that want to hire me will hire me. And I think that said, I always said, you know, when, when they said to me, what brands do you want to be the face of? I, when I went to go, it was so funny when I went to CAA and I was like, well, I'm not going to be the face of Chanel, am I? So I will take, I will take adult diapers because they pay <laughs> and I, I pee when I laugh. So like, know your audience, ladies, know your audience and take the piss out of yourself. It doesn't matter. Literally take the piss out of yourself. You're incontinent snappies you're promoting. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I haven't got that job yet, but if they're out there listening, I'll do it. You know, it's, it, it's, it, life isn't that serious. It's fucking funny. Like literally very, very funny what women go through in life to get, you know, and if you can just take the piss out of yourself and not, you know, I'm not going to be a Naomi Campbell strutting down the runway. I'm, I'm okay with where I am in life. I'm pretty fucking happy actually. So on that note, thank you so much for coming today, Elizabeth. I've really, really enjoyed it. You've made me laugh. I've loved it so much, Caroline. Thank you for having me. It's a real honor. I think it's just so much fun to sort of celebrate, as you say, the fails that we've all had and laugh about them. A hundred percent. Can I give a quick shout out to a friend? Is that, is, is that allowed? <laughs> I want to give a shout out to my darling Daisy, who listens to your podcast and loves it. Oh, hi, we Daisy. Have, 
Yes. Oh, she that will that will make her day. Uh, yes, she's wonderful. She's a huge Real Housewives and Ladies of London fan. So oh, thank you. We'll keep watching. Hopefully, um, I come out of this alive. But anyway, Elizabeth, tell people how we uh, follow you or get your books. What how we find you? Sure. So my latest book is a novel. It's called Magpie. It's available to buy online on Amazon or any of your local bookshops if you live in America or the UK or Italy or France. And you can follow me on Instagram on at Eliza B Day, E-L-I-Z-A-B-D-A-Y. And it would be lovely to connect with you there. Wonderful. Thank you. And hopefully we'll come back and do an IVF one eventually. I would love to do that. Yeah. Honestly, we need to talk more about this kind of we stuff. Do, oh, Harry. I should also say my podcast, How to Fail, oh my God, featuring yeah. Caroline Stanbury, <laughs> <laughs> where I interview people about three times they failed in their life. That's available on all the, all the normal platforms, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Perfect. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you for listening to Divorce Not Dead. Tune in next Wednesday for a new episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear from you. Follow me on social media at, at Caroline Stanbury for all the behind the scene action. 